Part 3, Chapter 4 of Home Education Series, Volume 1. Home Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Laura Witten, WendyHillHomeschool.blogspot.com. Home Education Series, Volume 1, Home Education by Charlotte Mason. Part 3, Chapter 4. Habit may supplant nature. Habit is ten natures. If that be true, strong as nature is, habit is not only as strong, but tenfold as strong. Here then we have a stronger than he, able to overcome this strong man armed. Habit runs on the lines of nature. But habit runs on the lines of nature. The cowardly child habitually lies that he may escape blame. The loving child has a hundred endearing habits. The good-natured child has a habit of giving. The selfish child a habit of keeping. Habit, working thus according to nature, is simply nature in action, growing strong by exercise. But habit may be a lever. But habit, to be the lever to lift the child, must work contrary to nature, or at any rate independently of her. Directly we begin to look out for the working of habit on these lines. Examples crowd upon us. There are the children trained in careful habits who never soil their clothes. Those trained in reticent habits who never speak of what is done at home and answer indiscreet questions with, I don't know. There are the children brought up in courteous habits who make way for their elders with gentle grace and more readily for the poor woman with the basket than for the well-dressed lady. And there are children trained in grudging habits who never offer to yield or go or do. A mother forms her children's habits involuntarily. Such habits as these, good, bad, or indifferent, are they natural to the children? No, but they are what their mothers have brought them up to. And, as a matter of fact, there is nothing which a mother cannot bring her child up to, and there is hardly a mother anywhere who has not some two or three, crotchets sometimes, principles sometimes, which her children never violate. So that it comes to this, given a mother with liberal views on the subject of education, and she simply cannot help working her own views into her children's habits. Given, on the other hand, a mother whose final question is, what will people say? What will people think? How will it look? And the children grow up with habits of seeming and not of being. They are content to appear well-dressed, well-mannered, and well-intentioned to outsiders, with very little effort after beauty, order, and goodness at home and in each other's eyes. Habit forces nature into new channels. The extraordinary power of habit in forcing nature into new channels hardly requires illustration. We have only to see a small boy at a circus riding two bare-backed ponies with a foot on the back of each, or a pantomime fairy dancing on air, or a clown behaving like an India rubber ball, or any of the thousand feats of skill and dexterity which we pay our shillings to see, mental feats as well as bodily, though happily these are the rarer. To be convinced that exactly anything may be accomplished by training, 
that is, the cultivation of persistent habits. And the power of habit is not seen in human beings alone. The cat goes in search of her dinner always at the same time and to the same place, that is, if it is usual to feed her in one spot. Indeed, the habit of place is so much to the cat that she will often rather die of famine than forsake the house to which she is accustomed. As for the dog, he is still more a bundle of habits than his master. Scatter the crumbs for the sparrows at nine o'clock every morning, and at nine o'clock they will come for their breakfast, crumbs or no crumbs. Darwin inclines to think that the terror and avoidance shown towards man by the wild birds and lesser animals is simply a matter of transmitted habit. He tells us how he landed upon certain of the Pacific islands where the birds had never seen man before, and they lighted upon him and flew about him with utter fearlessness. To come nearer home, what evidence of the mastery of habit is more sad and more overwhelming than the habits of the drunkard, for instance, persisted in, in spite of reason, conscience, purpose, religion, every motive which should influence a thinking being? Parents and teachers must lay down lines of habit. All this is nothing new. We have always known that, quote, use is second nature, end quote, and that, quote, man is a bundle of habits, end quote. It was not the fact, but the application of the fact and the physiology of habit that were new and exceedingly valuable ideas to me, and I hope they may be of some use to the reader. It was new to me, for instance, to perceive that it rests with parents and teachers to lay down lines of habit on which the life of the child may run henceforth with little jolting or miscarriage, and may advance in the right direction with a minimum of effort. End of Part 3, Chapter 4